Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Hello, Dominic here. Now, I really wanted to introduce a new podcast from Goalhanger that I think you will love. And it is called The Rest is Entertainment. Another The Rest is. Unbelievable. Join TV Supremo and best-selling author Richard Osman and Guardian columnist extraordinaire Marina Hyde for a weekly look at all things entertainment. It sounds absolutely mouth-watering, doesn't it? It has the best of TV. It has the biggest box office releases, the books you'll soon see everywhere, and even a dash of scandal and gossip. Isn't that exciting? Search for The Rest is Entertainment wherever you get your podcasts. And do you know what? The really exciting thing is that Theo, our producer, has prepared a little amuse-bouche, a taste of the extraordinary intellectual delights that lie ahead in The Rest is Entertainment. Here you go. Enjoy. Christmas number one. Correct. I want to talk about it because it's been boring for about 20 years, Christmas number one, for a number of reasons. Firstly, um, the reality shows, X Factor and what have you, which had a stranglehold on it. And for the last five years, Lad Baby. Please explain Lad Baby for people who somehow don't know. <laughs> um, Lad Baby, they're a married couple, and every year they do a Christmas song. All the money goes to Trussell Trust, so that's fine. But it's always, you know, I love sausage rolls. They're always food-related. Yeah, instead uh, of I love rock and roll, it would yeah. be I love sausage rolls. Yeah, yeah there's a sort of non-brand Greg's theme to it all. There is a non-brand Greg's theme. Yeah. You're absolutely, Greg's mm. not an official partner, but arguably should have been, anyhow. We should be sponsored by non-brand Greg's. Just, why we should, why be can't we be sponsored by, by Greg's? Rolls. I would be very happy. Just sausage rolls if as a concept. you're I consume. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I, I hear Taylor is doing their work now. Um, so for the last five years, they've been Christmas number one, which is a record by an absolute mile. But the reason I want to talk about Christmas number one this year is this year they have pulled out of the race. And I confidently predict that it'll be one of four songs is going to be Christmas number one. And whichever one it is, it's going to make history. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to predict uh, who it is later. Now, Christmas number one wasn't really a thing until about 1973, which is when Slade did Merry Christmas, Everybody. There'd been a couple of Christmas number ones in the 50s. There'd been Mary's Boy Child yeah. and Christmas Alphabet. But I think after Phil Spector's Christmas album, everyone went, oh, we can do this. So Slade and Wizard went head to head in, in 73. Slade won it. Wizard had, uh, I wish it could be Christmas every day, which didn't get to number one. And then you have the sort of glory days of Christmas number ones and you had Cliff and you've got Wham and, you know, the Pogues and all these things. Am I right in thinking that this is a really... UK phenomenon actually and that they're not obsessed with this particular spot in the charts for that one week in the US in the same way yes they're obsessed with Christmas songs yeah. so Gene Autry who had some of the biggest selling songs of all, all times he did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and he did Frosty the Snowman and these were you forget that somebody sat down and wrote those songs yeah. right? and they sold like millions and millions and millions and Virtually every one of those Christmas songs, White Christmas, all that, they, they were all, when you look into them, they were all written in like half an hour in LA in June. Like like <laughs> all of them. Well, uh, I respect it. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, become these huge hits. But in the UK, the Christmas number one has sort of gone out of fashion. There's only been seven songs ever to be Christmas number one with the word Christmas in the title. And that's if we're including Slade, which is Xmas. But I am including it. Of course it, it is. The last Christmas number one, the last actual Christmassy song, 
was nearly 20 years ago. It was 2004, and it was uh, Band Aid 20. Oh, yes. Do they know it's Christmas? Yep. Um, which, by the way, Tom York's only ever number one single. There you go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fact for you. That is, yeah. that is quite a fact. There's some unusual people on, on that Band Aid. Tom York's on it. The guys from Supergrass are on it. Neil Hannon from Divine Comedy is on it. Really? I must go yeah. back and look at the group shot. Whereas the previous one is like big fun. Yeah, and, the pre- uh, that was a uh, that was an that was the Nadir and 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 people like that. But so this year, who's going to win? Because always there's some unlikely contenders. You know, there's always a, a no one quite like Grandma. St. Yeah. for School Choir that was number one. Save Your Love, Renny and Renato. Mr. Blobby had a number one. By the way, anyone any detectives at home? I was looking into who wrote various yeah. um, Christmas songs, which is always quite interesting. Mr. Blobby. So almost, I can't work out who wrote it. Sia? So, I don't, I don't, hold on. She writes some more, doesn't yeah, she? I'm being told it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, you can't work out, it's got a name on the label, but that doesn't seem to be someone who actually exists. Amazing. Just, so, I can't put my name, literally can't put my name to this. I will kill you if you put my name to this song. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those ones that no <laughs> one's claiming. Off the yeah. movie. I mean, it's probably Noel because he'll want the money for it. But uh, uh, Bob the Builder, all the X Factor stuff, Rage Against the Machine, that was the last funny oh, Christmas number really one. I really wanted to talk about that. Great. Because I loved it. This was when, this was in 2009, when we were in the, the Simon Cowell bestrode entertainment like a mm. colossus. The karaoke Sauron, his eye was staring down at us at all moments. And he, his artist that year, you know, who was a guy called Joe McKeldry. Yeah. And he sort of just got to the end of the saturation of Cowell having this number one every single year with the X Factor winner. And so some people just started a Facebook campaign to get Rage Against the Machines Killing in the Name of to be Christmas number one. And first of all, you couldn't even buy it. It's the first download only number one, I believe. And Cowell was so affronted that this was happening. Two things are interesting about this. Well, first of all, he kept saying, you're not doing this to me. They're not They're not hurting me. They're hurting this poor young man, Joe McKeldry, who, by the way, Simon Cowell would drop from the record label in 15 months. So, you know, yes, I agree, poor young man, but for different reasons. And also, but they were on the same record label, Cowell and Rage Against right? the Machine. And Rage Against the Machine say that the record label were really angry about it. Never, They kept trying to call their record label to say, this is amazing, what's happening with our song? Um, and the record company just didn't call them back, obviously didn't issue, reissue this, it as a single, so it had to be download only. But the, the campaign was successful and, you know, Simon Cowell was overthrown in a, I mean, truly heartwarming, not not quite up there with It's a Wonderful Life, but kind of like the next tier down of Christmas <laughs> of Christmas miracles. We should, I was, I'd love to write a Christmas movie, and that's the that's what I'm going to write a Christmas movie about, is the destruction of Simon Cowell's Christmas number one hoax for Joe McKeldry. <laughs> Joe McKeldry, by the way, who I've met is absolutely lovely. Yeah. I was once. This is such a digression. But yeah, sorry. I, I, I once um. I once went to a festival uh, in Spain with my brother's band, Suede, and you're driving up around the Pyrenees in this coach, and it's like really terrifying, like hairpin bends. But then I was thinking, listen, it's okay because these drivers do it all day, every day. And then the next day, Rage Against the Machines coach went down the mountain. They were fine, but it went off the road. So anyway, that's uh, that's all I have oh to say God. about that. Um, so Rage Against the Machine was the last funny one. This year, there's a few unlikely contenders. There's Nala, the Stevenage Station cat. She's done a song called Check Me Out, which is a, a Christmas song which I've listened to so you don't have to. Like Rage Against the Machine, a lot of realness. Talking of realness, Sleaford Mods have got a Christmas number one contender. Ah. They've cover version of West End Girls. Okay. They? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's fine. Song I love. Sooty has done a version of the Nolan's I'm in the Mood for Dancing. Can, can you guess what he's called it? No, I can't. But in, I'd like you to tell me. I'm in the Mood for Christmas. Oh, 
are sweep and sue on it. They are, but they do not get, uh, as always, they do not get top yeah. bidding. EMF have teamed up with Stephen Fry. Oh my God. I know, to do a song called Hello People, but uh, that's all. That's for Shelter, I, I think, it. as well. Anyway, look, those are the unlikely contenders, but there's four that are going to win Likely's. it before I go on to them. My three favourites, Chris on Tumble One Facts, if you can bear it. I, I will love this. Um, this first one, this rather realise, you know, like how you get old. Yes. And you suddenly realise that other people don't know your references. Yes. And you talk to young people. I'm going to tell a story now about Thora Heard. Amazing. Okay. Is, I'm looking around. Anybody? Thanks for joining us, everyone. There's some youngsters. Uh, <laughs> Tony knows Thora Heard. There he is. The Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, was written by Thora Heard's son-in-law. No. Yeah. How about that? Mel Torme. Written yeah. in half an hour. Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. And stupidly called the Christmas song because they have to constantly put brackets you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, because <laughs> otherwise no one knows the one they're talking about. Talking of people who write Christmas songs, Mistletoe and Wine. Chris, Cliff Christmas Richard. number one, Cliff Richard. That was written by the same man who wrote the theme tune to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Really? Yeah, it made absolutely millions. Keith Strachan wrote the millionaire theme with his I'd like to son. talk to him about a couple of the lyric, the couplets in that, which are not acceptable, not the millionaire theme. The Mistletoe and Wine. Yeah. Mistletoe and Wine, Christian Rhyme unacceptable as a couplet in my view. Nobody has ever said the phrase Christian rhyme at all. So if you've had to do that, you've had to make it go. And I think you should have come up with something else. Every Christmas Eve, I think Christmas Eve, mistletoe and Steve. And I don't know why I can never get out of my head. So now I can put it in your head as well. But Merry Christmas, everyone, by Shaky, which is a classic. Yes. They were supposed to release in the same year as Band-Aid, but they realised Band-Aid was coming out. They thought this song is too good. So they, they held it back for an entire year. Anyway, that was written wow. by, by Bob Heatley, who wrote the theme tune to Pat Sharp's Funhouse. Again, thank you for the references. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. My final one is Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses. So that's the song, yes. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, yeah. which the Spice Girls did a yes. cover version of, and it's a great song. Uh, and the guy who wrote Christmas Wrapping, Chris Butler, um, made some money out of the Spice Girls' cover version of Christmas Wrapping, so bought a house in Ohio, was shown around this house. It was much cheaper than he thought it was going to be because it was big. So he bought this house with the Christmas wrapping money. And the reason it was so cheap, he found out later, it was Jeffrey Dahmer's house. So the money that the Spice Girls made him was spent on Jeffrey Dahmer's house. Most of us would pull out of the, of the, <laughs> the wow, purchase. But that he, took me somewhere unexpected. He went, I know, right? Yeah, you did yeah. not think I was going to go from Pat Sharp's fun house to Jeffrey Dahmer quite that That's, quickly. It's quite a lot of levels below It's a Wonderful Life in terms of Christmas spirit. Yes, <laughs> that is, is quite is a, a few. Yeah. Good fact, though. Search for The Rest is Entertainment wherever you get your podcasts.